We are so excited to welcome Emmanuel and Adrian Threat from Hope Vibes today. They are co-founders of this incredible organization here, based here in Charlotte, um, working in a really innovative and interesting way to serve our homeless neighbors. Emmanuel and Adrian, welcome. Thanks for coming to Spark Sessions Podcast. Yes, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. We're <laughs> excited to be here. Yes. It's good. Well, it's good to have you. It's good to have you here. Absolutely. Um, so will you get us started really quickly and just tell us a little bit about what is Hope Vibes? How did it get started? Just give us the, the 411 on what you guys are doing. So Hope Vibes started back in 2017. Um, it was a nonprofit that was never um, intentionally designed. Right. <laughs> um, we started basically on accident. I, I came across a video of a homeless woman that was sharing about dealing with her menstrual cycle while living on the streets. And um, she was sharing how during that time of the month, she would have to get really creative um, to think about ways that she was going to deal with her cycle because she was having to choose between, am I going to use a little bit of financial resources that I have to buy food that week, or am I going to buy feminine hygiene products? And so she used the money to buy food and she was making pads and tampons out of things like socks, toilet paper, tank tops, things of that nature. And her and other women were just sharing about their experience dealing with their cycle while living on the streets. And that made me so upset at the same time, angry, because I was just like, it, it amazes me that we are dealing with that kind of issue right here in the United States. And so after watching it about three times, I took to Facebook for a rant. And in my sharing about it, I came to find that my friends were just as infuriated by it as I was to the extent that they were like, oh, well, I'll bring you hygiene products. And I was like, you don't need to bring me hygiene products. <laughs> what am I do with them? What am I going to do with the hygiene products? <laughs> And then people were volunteering to come out to the streets with us. And I was like, I never said I was going out to the streets. Mm. Um, and that response just continued to snowball mm. uh, with like close to a hundred comments of people just wanting to be a part of a solution. Um, and so finally, one of my friends was like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to collect items from all these people who said they wanted to help. And then you're going to set a date and you're just going to go out. Um, and I was like, I am. And she was like, yes, you are. And I'm going to help you. And so that's mm -hmm. what we did. Mm -hmm. um, that following month, we went out for our first serve day with about 15 or 20 volunteers. Um, the next month, we did it again. And the number of volunteers doubled. Most of them were people we didn't even know. They had just found out through social media. Uh, same thing the following month. But then businesses and churches started reaching out, wanting to bring us hygiene products by the truckload and donations. Wow. And then at that point, we were like, well, if there's money involved, we need to make this official yeah. for accountability's sake, because I am not going to jail. Yes. So, <laughs> in a short little nice package, that's kind of how we got started. Yeah. And it's evolved to much more than passing out feminine hygiene products now, though. So what has this become? Yeah. So from there, it kind of snowballed into a organization that focuses on um, being creative and innovative and um, being advocates for our homeless neighbors. Um, during that time, in the last four years, we've been able to develop a couple of 
uh, creative solutions to help our homeless neighbors, one of which is the Hope Tank, which is a mobile laundry and shower vehicle. And so this, this 24 foot box truck um, has two full restrooms in it with showers and laundry. Um, and it is has an onboard water system. So it allows us to go into tent communities that are kind of off grid and they're not really connected to any water or power supply or anything like that. And so we can go to anywhere that, you know, our neighbors they actually stay at. Um, and then during the early part of COVID, um, we were able to develop uh, these things called the solar sinks, which is exactly what it sounds like, a solar sink system that is touchless. And we deploy those into different um, tent communities that again, that are not connected to uh, main resources that, um, you know, typical that you would assume that, you know, are available in certain areas in Charlotte. So, yeah. Wow. So much more than hygiene products now. Yes. <laughs> you guys are like all over the city. Um, you see you just on social, just talk about the power of social media, right? Like and how you, you guys have really gained such a great following by, I mean, you're the whole idea started by Adrian, by your post mm -hmm. and then pushed to much, something much bigger. Um, and you really, have, it sounds like you've gained some great um, kind of um, notoriety and exposure, especially here in Charlotte around what you're doing. Have you noticed that people are starting to hear about you elsewhere too? Yeah. I mean, it, social media has been our main source of kind of um, publicity yeah. um, and marketing. We, we never really like paid for any other kind of like advertisements or things like that. Um, we really just use social media to kind of share our heart about things that we were seeing and giving opportunity to others to kind of plug in and be a mm -hmm. part of solutions. Um, and with that, people have just, like you said, they've, they've come along for the journey. Um, some may have never even come out to a serve day, might not even live in the city, but they've been following from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And um, people have kind of bought into uh, the mission and the vision of Hope Vibes, and that leads them to share and tell others mm -hmm. um, about the work that we're doing. And so because of that, because people are, are sharing and they're excited to tell others about this organization that they they feel connected to, they mm -hmm. um, they feel invested into it, um, it, it's caused us to be able to kind of spread the awareness of what we do and the people that we serve and the needs that are present um, in a way that is really kind of unique. Like, mm -hmm. and it wasn't really necessarily something intentional. We never sat and, and thought out like this um, strong plan of, okay, we're going to use social media right. and we're going to plow through like this mission that we have. It just, it was kind of like one of those things where it was what was in our hands and we used it and it, it happened to work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And mm -hmm. it's interesting because when we first got started, there were people who um, were serving in the, the space of serving the homeless community before us. And they said, no, don't talk about what you're doing on social media. Like that's not appropriate. Um, and I think now, like if we had listened to those people who kind of tried to dictate um, how we went about operating, right. like we wouldn't have been able to accomplish um, what we've been able to accomplish. Right. That's interesting um, that you all say that I was kind of jotting down some notes. And one of the things that we really talk about, um, I was like, man, 
did they know what we were going to talk to them about? Because like Adrian, you all were saying a lot of the things that Chris and I have talked about a lot. One is how can we encourage people and motivate people to be part of the solution? Right. Mm -hmm. And like that was from moment one, like some of the words that you use. And then also um, the social media advocacy. I mean, one of the things that we really talk about in our line of work and social work and advocacy is electronic advocacy Mm -hmm. and the power in social media. I mean, look at all of the great movements that have been produced, you know, through the hands of, of social media. I mean, I think about the Me Too movement. I think about Say Her Name. I think about Black Lives Matter. Right. I think about all of these things in terms of how people spread awareness and get people involved. And you sparked something that video sparked something in you. And then you sort of used your platform to say, hey, like I saw this and this is this is bothering me. And you didn't use social media to gain uh, supporters in for like grandiose thoughts or for for any pats on your back. It was just really for, it sounds like sharing that mission, sharing the work that you're doing and bringing awareness. I mean, I think some people have to realize we've, we're in different times, folks, you know, and, and this stuff works. And, um, and I love that the other thing that you said, you didn't have this grand plan. Like we talk to people all the time about how do you make change and what do you do? And it may not be that you have years and years and years and you can work on this. It's like timing and it's just certain things that you get out there and you put one foot in front of the other and you don't know, you know, the limits of how, of how it will go. So I just think that's great. I just wanted to highlight a few of those things for our listeners because we keep hearing these themes from people that we talk to about like, I just wanted to do something, wanted to be part of the solution. And I hear the creativity of like, don't put yourself in a box. There's so many different ways that we can serve, right? So absolutely. I love the idea too about, um, about not putting yourself in a box and that just because people have been doing things a certain way for a certain amount of time and getting money to do the way that they do business doesn't necessarily mean there's not space for new ideas and new business and new nonprofits and new solutions. Um, And it sounds like quite frankly, it's time for new solutions, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when we think about our homeless neighbors and the, you know, the next thing I really want to talk about is kind of, what I'm sure people are expecting us to talk about is this, uh, the tent city, right. Mm -hmm. And, um, the formation of tent city and how tent city is not something necessarily new. It's just become something so much more visible, um, during COVID. So I would love if you guys could talk a little bit about what your experience has been in watching this literally grow before our eyes. And then the responses that you have seen, across the city and county and what you're hoping for like what what are you hoping for next yeah yeah i think um it's been interesting because well before um covid uh, we were serving and seeing people uptown in the same areas where um tent city was and so um it was shocking really to see the growth of it so like rapidly like it was just like wow, this is for real? Um, like we weren't s- surprised at the necessarily that people were there, but just like everybody congregating in one place and it, it being allowed really mm-hmm. kind of like, wow, this is, this is a thing. Um, and so when um, 
you know, the the push from the the county to vacate the Tent City area came and it was quick and it was just like a lot going on. It was heart heartbreaking to see first off that like it got to the point where people had to be pushed out. Um, and then second, it's a little bit like, okay, this is good because people are getting able to get help and space. And then at the same time, in the back of our minds, you're like, man, but not everybody will receive whatever resources are available or even have access mm. to. Um, and that's just the reality of things. I mean, we, we talk we talk about this frequently is that, you know, not everybody's solution looks the same. Not everybody can mm-hmm. go from being in a tent to staying in a hotel or staying in a shelter. They might not be ready for that. They, right. There's things that are preventing them from taking just even that next step. And so where is that place? And then, and so for us, we are uh, naturally an organization that looks for the gaps and jumps right into those gaps and it's like, okay, well then we need to be, we need to, we might not be able to shelter a 10,000 people, but we can find the gap for that one 10, 15, 50 people who aren't ready to go to a shelter, but they're ready to move into a safer place from mm-hmm. a tent to a safer place. And so that we've been chewing up some ideas and uh, figuring out some ways to do that. Um, and so mm. that's just how we as an organization function, mm-hmm. finding those those moments that are those 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 things that might everybody, you know, we focus on the big issue a lot of times as culture. But then we sometimes we have to come down a little bit and see what it lo- looks like on low level. Mm-hmm. There was a article that came out, I believe, yesterday um, mm-hmm. about how there's a new kind of tent city that's kind of surfacing in the Noda area now. Yeah. Um, and so there, the residents there like had some concerns about it becoming like what was seen yeah. uptown. And it, it was kind of like one of those things where it was disappointing, but not shocking because everyone mm-hmm. did, everyone wasn't placed in, in shelter when that transition happened. And so people are naturally going to go somewhere um, because again, like while it may not have been as visible to the general public before tent city, um, it was, it was there. Um, And so it's just, I don't know. I, I I feel like, like you said, we are really intentional to try to think of some out of the box solutions Mm -hmm. um, to kind of help people where they are so that there are, Mm Um, a diversity of creative ethics strategies to help a person um, in homelessness, in the cycle of hopeless homelessness for them. Yeah. I love when you yeah. talk about that, like not every, you can't have just one solution for everybody, mm-hmm. just like, you know, being unsheltered or, or living in the, this situation and doesn't come into an individual's life the same way, right? Like it's, there's a million different ways that this happens. And, um, you know, in social work, we talk a lot about a, a client or a person's right to have self-determination mm-hmm. and determ- to determine what happens for them. Right. And I think, you know, Emmanuel, you talked about that in terms of, you know, not everyone's ready to move from a shelter to a hotel mm-hmm. and that there has to be some type of a space and solution, regardless of where you are on the spectrum of, uh, you know, homeless to housed. There has to be more than one way out if uh, someone wants a way out. We were dealing with a, um, actually, I don't know if he's still a student now, but it was, I know at least he was a former student of UNCC. When we first met him, he was a graduate student at 
an engineering graduate student for UNCC, but he was living in a tent community um, in the on the west side. Mm-hmm. And um, he like he has experienced some rough times. And as these transitions were happening, um, I was thinking, you know, if he were to go into a shelter type environment, Mm -hmm. that would actually set him back. Right. Because Mm -hmm. being in the environment where certain things might be happening, it could be a trigger for him. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the case with a lot of people. Whereas, you know, many, many think, oh, well, just put them in a shelter and that should be good enough. They're out of the elements. Um, they're safe, but that might not be a safe solution for all people. Right. Absolutely. Um, I think you you had said actually a few things that I kind of want to, because because we've been talking about this. So for our listeners, I want to ask you. Um, I mean, there's so many social work implications. I'm just thinking here for students. I'm thinking for what we do, but thinking. For you all, you're bringing in very human experience. You're honoring people's human lives. And I think that sometimes when we want to create solutions for people, we don't do it viewing it through their lens and we do it through our lens and through our privilege and through our bias. And so I love the fact that I'm hearing, you know, you all um, talk about that everybody is in that different place and even everything that like Chris brought up. And that brings me back to you calling them our homeless neighbors. I would like for us just to spend a few minutes there using the term homeless neighbors, it really brings that human experience for me um, to the work that you are doing and shows that you all really have a heart for this kind of work. I'm sure that a lot of people maybe have questioned why, why are you doing this? Or how do you feel helping people that, that may put have put themselves in those situations, right? And I use that, you know, my voice, I reflect it because people have their own thoughts, but talk to me about the neighbors and what, where did that come from for you all? And how do you sort of see that play out in your work? Yeah, I think so. Uh, both of us have different kind of experiences growing up mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. So my, my father was a NPD officer at the time. I don't think so. Part of the time it was just, he was in the County, um, the, uh, the city and then they mm-hmm. murdered. And so it was, that's how early it was. So it was uh, he, that's he quite was, some years back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he, was a, he was a police officer in Charlotte. And um, at the same time, he was pastoring a church. And so my upbringing, we would always like he would he, he, he would always have people that he would come in contact with that he would bring to the house. They'll come home. He'll come bring them home. And we'll have they have dinner with us. And like these are strangers for the for you know for a moment, but then they hanging out and they're hanging out with us. And you know people would like I, living living. living. <laughs> so vividly, like like my dad telling me and my sister like, hey, uh, we have to get you guys got to get bunk beds and we're gonna you guys are gonna share a room now because we got somebody staying in this in the other room. And so like wow. grew up with this mentality that it's not just about us. And we were not like, you know, well off or anything like that. We're just, you know, it's just, I mean, we, my, I, my dad worked a lot and he yeah. Yeah. really hard to, and worked off duty to make things ends meet. But he, he knew that um, he made sure to display a sense of community that 
um, I, I don't, we don't see often now where we are looking after other people who are mm. not able to um, help themselves at the, at the level, you know, of getting ahead. And so, man, there's, there's so like, there's so many just really cool stories just mm-hmm. about that um, aspect of my life. And so translating that to the, to, as an adult, you know, I'm like very early on. To bring people yes, at the er- early house, on. I was like, bro, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm like, like, hey, I wish y'all could see Adrian's face right now. There's boundaries, there's <laughs> boundaries and stuff that obviously um, can be healthy, <laughs> needs to be there to be healthy. Um, but at the same time, I don't, it, it hasn't necessarily stopped that, that, that feeling and bringing that out in the, in the work that we do. And so my upbringing is that, I don't let her talk about how, how her. <laughs> well, in, in my family, my, my parents, they were big on like helping people, mm-hmm. um, giving, um, but they weren't very big on bringing people into the home. Like the home was like their safe haven of um, just kind of like, this is our, our space to like recover, rejuvenate. And so they did a lot of things for people outside the home. Like I remember my mom spending a lot of time in nursing homes, like mm-hmm. that's her thing. Like, and prior to my, my grandparents getting older, she like continued to do that. Like I'm talking, she'd make a friend at a nursing home and she wouldn't know them prior to that, but she would make a, a relationship with them and she would go and see that specific person regularly because they didn't have family around and Mm -hmm. I I mean she would there there was one lady she would go regularly just to go and do her hair um and Uh and so I think there there's that aspect that was instilled into me um but I wasn't like trying to bring people you're not trying to bring people to the house (laughs) (laughs) like he I I remember one time well actually probably a couple of times he snuck some people Wash some some loads of laundry, take a shower, or whatever. Like I, you know, and I was like, <laughs> this was prior to the hope tank, huh? And one of them yeah, ended he, up spending the night. Yep, yep. And I, he like he worked, he finessed it real, real smooth. You know, I just, bet he did. <laughs> That's, He's that's, like, I gotta talk. I gotta talk Adrian into this. How am yeah. I gonna be able to do that? Just because the way the way I view things is, it's like, man, like you know, if I was out in a situation like that, like. And I know, I like, I know us, like, we're not hurt, to hurt people or manipulate anybody. And so it's a safe place. I'm like, yo, I got a safe place. Come, come be in the safe place. I got you. I and got so, you. Like, be, you know, I, and so that's one of the things, like, I think, like, I want to, in Hope Vibes and in the future of Hope Vibes, everything that we do is a safe place. Like, you mm. come to the Hope Tank, it's a place where you feel safe. Like, regardless of what's going on around you, it's a safe place. When 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 the doors open for us to have um, tiny homes or micro homes or even any kind of shelter kind of homes, like, those places, even though the, the, on the outside they might look like, you know, something you've seen before, the vibe that you get there is different. It's a safe place that is just different. Um, yeah. And that's something that is like, okay, I'm, they might not be able to come to my house, but I can make sure <laughs> houses that we have, they, they're, they're the same kind of vibe as that. <laughs> That's awesome. I love, yeah, I love the idea that of neighbors because language is important, right? The words that we use and the way that we um, talk about people and invite them into our lives and, and the way that we're intentional about that really matters. Mm-hmm. And it carries a lot of weight. And um, I love, like Michelle said, I love the humanness and in, in the way that you work and the way that you really allow people to experience um the safety of having a clean body and clean clothes and like what that does 
for someone. I, I just, I can't wait to come out and serve with you guys. Cause I, I just can imagine it's just an opportunity to really, um, to really be in it with somebody and be in that experience with them. It's interesting too, because I think he's probably the first person I ever heard use the phrase in terms of homeless individuals being a neighbor. Um, but now four years later, um, it, it's like I've heard other people begin to use that language. Yeah. Um, people will tell us like it, like they, it changed the way that they viewed um, the people that they saw um, and how they communicated about them. And so I think that it even speaks towards like the power of language and shifting cultures right. um, and mindsets um, because it just it changes the way people interact with those individuals now. Right, right. And, you know, I think even in that, that just that phrase, homeless neighbor, I mean, it's like the, the, the emphasis, because, you know, in the past you just hear, oh, you're homeless. Well, it's like, that's just, that's just focusing on one moment in a person's life. Yeah. Like why, why limit it to just that? And it's like, no, actually this person is more of a neighbor than they are homeless. And, yeah. um, and so, you know, we, we, we think of a neighbor as in proximity to each other, like I'm a neighbor. And it's like, well, the reality is if you go uptown, if you go anywhere around the city, there are neighbors that you might not see. They might not be in a house next to you, but they might be in a tent at the Walmart that you go to. Well, that's, that's a neighbor, you know, yeah. and, that, and, that, and the reality is, I think it's important that we shift those kind of that, that language to things like that. Um, and, and maybe there's even an, a better way to even yeah. communicate that in the future that even even highlights and brings dignity to a deeper level than just homeless neighbor. I think for me recently, it's, it's been, uh, I've been feeling it a little more, um, like it agitates me a little bit because I feel like there's more emphasis put on the homeless, homeless part. part. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so like now I'm almost Like shifting. dropping, just dropping it to neighbors. Well, yeah. I, it's almost like I've been like unintentionally almost kind of shifting it to neighbors experiencing homelessness. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they're not just like categorizing them like, like solely on the fact that they're, they're homeless. homeless. Like right. there's so much more to the individuals that we serve. That's just a piece of the experience that yeah. they're walking in right now. That's yeah. Good. What you're talking about is person first language and person centered <laughs> language and how, you know, and that's another of course, a tenant of social work. Yeah. Are y'all sure y'all aren't social workers? Like low down, low down, <laughs> undercover so social workers? I've never heard that before. So I'm like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Look at you. Okay. Look at you knowing social great. work theories and stuff. But now that whole idea that you don't describe people by um, a moment in time for them or, you know, or something that identifies them, but rather there's someone living with or during some type of incident. It's. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise we can start to put them in boxes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think I also really like what you talk about. And this is Michelle will probably jump in here because she's intersectionality is her thing. But um, talking <laughs> about how, you know, people who are experiencing homelessness, that that's not the only thing of their of their lives, that they have other identities and other roles that they play um, that are just as important, if not more important than their housing situation. So that's that intersectionality piece. 
right? A lot of the work, you know, that I do is really about centering, right? Centering individuals, centering and seeing how someone can be experiencing homelessness based on their race, based on their ethnicity, based on their gender, and that composite and intersection of all of those identities and how they contribute to these marginalized experiences. So you guys have talked a lot about what you're doing now and, and kind of how you got started and what is um, kind of how Hope Vibes has evolved. And I'm interested in what's next. Like, where do you guys hope to see this go? You seem like two people who have really big, exciting dreams. And I would love to, whatever you're willing to share with us and our listeners, what do you, what do you hope is next? I just, I dream all the time. I have big lofty dreams and she really literally all the time she <laughs> back in just like okay 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 but um I think so one of the one of the most uh, like we, there's a couple things that are not as far away um we're working on um so we want to see hope tanks everywhere plural yeah hope tanks on the road and so we're, we're actually working on developing a so we're going to be uh, we're raising resources to for Charlotte to have another hope tank, um, the Charlotte and surrounding area to have a hope another hope tank, but also working on a hope tank affiliate program, pretty much where organizations, whether they're in local area or outside of the local area, would you know contact us and we will assist them in building a hope tank and pretty much starting a network of organizations, individuals, um, whoever who wants to see a vehicle like the Hope Tank in their area and supporting them in setting up, um, you know, training, setting up um, how to do it, the language behind it, why, all of that. Um, and so um, I think that's one of the, the uh, big goals that we have right now and excited about just kind of working on that and developing that. Um, kind of like a nonprofit franchise almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I... I think it was just, it's just, it goes back to being able to, um, the idea that everyone deserves dignity. And so it's like, okay, mm -hmm. how can we get this out? If, if we, as, an, as a small nonprofit, aren't at the place to scale Hope Vibes as an organization to another area, well, there's people that's already building relationships in, in other areas throughout the, the nation um, that can benefit from a Hope Tank and are ready to, you know, fundraise and, and build one. And so... We can help help them do that. We have the knowledge and expertise because we've done one and yeah. have have one working and functioning. And so, yeah. So that's one of the, the 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 one of the things that we're working on now. And then simultaneously, we're working on figuring out housing solutions um, on a on a on a smaller scale. And so we are working with um, a couple of individuals and building some ideas and developing blueprints for potentially tiny slash micro homes. And so, um, which is that next step from a, like a tent or vehicle situation, if a person's living there to something that is maybe not a shelter, but it's something that is, um, that is just a next step of security and safety. And so that's something that we're working on now. <laughs> it's really exciting. I love to hear it. Like I, the whole idea of um, micro and tiny homes and how that's been, it's been working across the nation and other places and mm -hmm. um, just like 
let's get, let's do it. Like, let's get it started here. There's, it's not like there's a lack of resources in Charlotte. That is not our, our problem. Resources are not our problem. Shipping yeah. container homes. Mm. Like there's lots of really cool things going. That's one of my favorite things. Shipping container homes. I yeah. think they're so amazing. I would personally live in one. Yes. Um, just give me some land. Like if you yep. have some land, give it to me. <laughs> yes. I would. I take it because I think it's so <laughs> unique and creative. Um, I think it is a, a perfect canvas for um, artistic design as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, I'm I'm all for. Um, the container home solution as well. So we've, we've been looking at a couple of different um, possibilities um, because again, I don't think um, one size fits all. Mm-hmm. And so I love the the possibility of doing something with container homes as like a duplex kind of mm-hmm. um, idea. Um, and then he's done some things with a micro home that's kind of slightly smaller than a tiny home, mm-hmm. but it's a step above um, tents. And then we're also looking at some tiny home ideas as well, right. all of which we're kind of putting under the umbrella of homesteads um, to help people kind of transition out of homeless, but within the safe space of um, community and right. support, um, because it, you know, it, it takes more than just the house, right? Like there, there are other things that people yeah. can help them um, come into a place of stability. And so all of that kind of comes into play in those communities that we build. Right. Um, not, not like um, I'm not really a fan of like the the larger um, tiny home communities. I think that it's almost too much for people to kind of restart um, in a safe way. Um, but kind of more so these micro communities where you might right. have I don't know no more than like ten or fifteen right. people yeah. in a community that are like focused on where they're trying to go um, and able to do it together through community. I love that. And I love the idea of community and how those that are experiencing homelessness are a community and they're a part of our community, yes. both to both and. That's awesome. The thing we're working on is a new initiative called Hello Homelessness. Um, and I kind of mentioned it a little bit in one of the, the recent editorials I did for Queen City Nerve. Um, but it's really an effort to almost kind of combine storytelling with research to mm-hmm. kind of give a fresh perspective on what homelessness is and what it looks like and what it's not. Mm-hmm. Allowing the space for individuals to tell their stories about their present or past experiences, but then also bringing in research as well. And so I'll just put a little plug in there too for any students that want to do some research as interns, you can come on over (laughs) Um, because we're going to look at different um, like subcategories with um, like, for example, we have some students at Charlotte Lab, um, some high school students there. They're going to be doing some research on how homelessness affects students their age. Um, I think the last time CMS released a report pre-COVID, there was over 4,000 students that they knew that they knew of that was experiencing housing mm-hmm. instability. And so when we talk to students, we tell them like, it is very well possible that the person sitting next to you could be homeless or experiencing housing instability. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so um, those students that are gonna be interning with us, they are gonna have the opportunity to um, do, do some more research about how homelessness is impacting their age group um, and then we put it on this platform that we're creating um, to be able to 
create greater awareness. Mm -hmm. And so we want to do the same thing with women experiencing homelessness and single parents. I love it. College students, gender issues. And so um, we're really excited about that new initiative as well. Lots of ways for people to plug into your work. I love it. So if people are listening and they are sitting there with their own ideas about getting involved or impacting communities, I'm really interested in what advice would you give to our listeners? Yeah. um, So apart from Hope Vibes, I I always tell people like, um, just get started. You know, like you don't have to have some big master plan all figured out. Right. Um, none of the things we've accomplished, <laughs> like we didn't have the total big picture um, and everything already in place before we got started. It was just like, um, and you see it on the side of the hope tank, um, this phrase that I, I started saying, like, do what you can with what you have until you can do more. And so, like, I encourage people who have an idea or something that they see in the world around them that really kind of like, kind of like that video did for me, like it mm-hmm. kind of strikes a chord yeah. and um, you you feel compelled to do something. Um, you might not have the money for the Hope Tank already at the beginning, but you can pass out hygiene products. And right. so like, that was the starting point for us. It was very attainable. It didn't, it doesn't solve the problem of homelessness, right? Even now um, the shower like the person goes and takes a shower, but when they t- come out, they're still they're still homeless at that moment. Mm-hmm. So we're we're addressing needs where we are with what we have, um, with the, the expectation inwardly that eventually we'll be able to do more. But we're going to work in the space that we can now. Mm-hmm. And so I just encourage people just to get started. Find something tangible that you can do now, and make that first step, and yeah. then let the rest come eventually it'll work out yeah yeah and more specifically with hope vibe is if anybody wants to like just be a part of what we're doing um i mean it really just takes going to the website reaching out to us there's a a part partner with us page on the site that has different ways that you can connect you can do donation drives or volunteer with us and be even deeper opportunities with you know the 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 launch of hello homelessness the um, different, even committees that we're building in order to um, um, address some of these other issues that we've talked about as far as housing and even potentially even the hell, I mean, the um, Hope Tank affiliate program. These are all things that you know people can jump on and be a part of just reaching out to us. Where do we find you on social media if people are looking to follow you there? So you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and TikTok. Yeah, we want to TikTok. Okay, that's a new one for me. I'll have to find you on there. All of those platforms at Hope5CLT. Yep. Um, and then the website is www.hope5.org. Yep. Yeah. Y'all, thank you so much for being here today and for taking some time. I just um I don't know. It's really exciting to see what you're doing and to see how you're changing people's lives and I'd, like I said, I had my students um, reviewing your website this week, and one of them said, they're a whole vibe. And I was like, yeah, you get it, don't you? They are an absolute whole vibe. So, Adrian and Emmanuel, thank you for, for being here with us and for sharing your passion. And I hope that this sparks somebody to get connected to the work that you're doing. Thank you. 
Do you know any activists or doers that you would like for us to highlight on this podcast? If so, let us know. Or if you just want to keep in touch, connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Spark Sessions Podcast or on Twitter at Spark Session Pod. Thanks, y'all.